let's have a word. I'm going to go ahead and pray for our lesson tonight, and then uh, we'll jump into that, and then we'll have our prayer time at the end. So let's pray, and then we'll, um, we'll work on that. God, we do thank you uh, for all your blessings, God, and for allowing us to, to meet in person tonight. We thank you that our church is able to do that. We pray right now with our country and with uh, COVID-19, God, that we'd be able to stay away from that and not contract that here. Um, I'm glad that we're taking some precaution, but God, I'm glad also that we can open and be back together again. We do pray for those that are at home uh, watching this from home, God, that you'd be with them and the needs they have. God, for the unspoken requests that are on our hearts tonight, you know those. Many times they're too personal maybe to say out loud, but I pray you give us wisdom uh, in all of those, uh, in the situations maybe with our families or our friends, coworkers, God. We pray that you'd give us wisdom. God, be with our study tonight as we talk about uh, a somewhat controversial issue right now, but as we look uh, in your word and hear uh, from one of your speakers, God, uh, about this and we have a good perspective on it and see what Pitts Baptist Church is doing in the right direction uh, for this issue. Just give us a good night together tonight. And again, thank you for all your blessings. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we're hearing a lot right now about this idea on the top of your page. You see it called socialism. Uh, it is presented as a way to help the needy and to make everyone a little more equal and to spread out the wealth so that all in our country can live out the American dream and all be better off. That's the idea behind it. But when you look at where it has been implemented, uh, do you find this to be true? Uh, let me give you some statistics. <clears throat> I want to share with you some research done by uh, Daniel DiMartino in his article entitled, How Socialism Destroyed Venezuela. Uh, Venezuela was once the wealthiest countries in South America, or was the, at one time the wealthiest country in South America. But in 1999, Hugo Chavez implemented three main policies that produced the current crisis that we now see in Venezuela. Let me give you those three things. <clears throat> if you want to take some notes on the back of that paper I gave you, you can. That really goes along with the video that we're getting ready to watch. Um, first of all, the nationalization of private industry. That was the first thing that happened. The second thing was that currency, uh, they did currency and price controls. When you start messing with currency, uh, that's a dangerous thing. And then expansion of the welfare programs. Those are the three things that he did, and we're going to look at each one of those individually a little bit. The first thing <clears throat> was to nationalize the agricultural sector, taking almost 2.5 million acres from rightful landowners and giving that, giving that land to the workers. Uh, the government had no way to manage all these new landowners uh, and to make sure they were productive and efficient. Uh, the government officials would mandate that they have low prices on their products, uh, yet they had to increase unneeded hiring regulations uh, to win over votes, but it destroyed the economy. Uh, the results in 20 years Food production fell 75% while the population grew by 33%. This caused huge food shortages and an economic disaster. 
The government also nationalized electricity, water, oil, banks, supermarkets, construction, along with uh, other crucial uh, sectors, and all of them mandating increased employment and low prices of goods and services. So those mandates came down from the government. The results, <clears throat> countrywide blackouts, water service interruptions, a fall in oil production, bankrupt government-run enterprises. That was the result. But the most harmful part of the plan was the expansion of the welfare programming programs. Uh, they created social missions aimed at tackling poverty, illiteracy, and health care, to name a few. That sounds like a good thing, right? To, to go after those things. But as in other programs, these were run by corrupt government leaders whose greed benefited them, but left those who were truly in need without the promised help of these government programs. As Venezuelans, Venezuelans have learned over the past 20 years of socialism, free things come at a very high price. Free things come at a very high price. When a government says, and mark it down, when a government says that something they are providing is free, they're not telling you the whole truth. Let's look at some facts about government, including ours. Governments do not produce any money or profit. Not one cent do they produce, unless they're printing money. We'll get to that in a minute. Government revenue is gained by taxation of its citizens. You pay through your taxes. They do not raise funds. It's your tax money. When the government spends money to fund a program, they are spending the money that citizens pay in taxes. Governments can print more money, but all that does is devalues the currency. It dilutes the value of your money. Governments can go into debt, borrowing from other countries. This is very, very dangerous. In fact, I looked up our national debt this morning. Uh, it, it is over $27 trillion, and I sat there with my stopwatch as the, the numbers were flickering by, and in 34 seconds, it went up a million dollars. So every 34 seconds, it's going up a million dollars. That is mind-boggling, folks. I don't know how that gets turned around. I have no idea how they calculate this, but it is un unsustainable. Something will have to be done with that. So anyway, it'd be interesting to see how that's handled. I do want to show you a video tonight put out by MyFaithVotes.org. Uh, you see that at the top of your study pages. Uh, they have some excellent videos that deal with some of the difficult social issues that are uh, confronting us today, and I would encourage you to go look at them. They also provide study guides. That study guide you're holding is a, a free study guide that you can print out for each one of these. Some of the uh, topics are border control, abortion, gun control, transgenderism. That's just to name a few. So I'd encourage you. They're about nine minutes long, and they're all based on a biblical perspective, which is what I like. And you're going to see that tonight. Uh, we're going to watch the one on socialism, obviously, tonight. It features the senior pastor of Watermark Community Church, Todd Wagner. So I want to ask you just to follow along in your study guide and make some notes uh, there in the margins. Let's, I hope this is going to come up. There it is. <coughs>
there today. You can't really turn on much of the news media without hearing different candidates espouse the blessings and benefit of socialism. So let's talk about that a little bit. Famous quote by Margaret Thatcher, which is, socialism is a, a great idea until you run out of other people's money. Because the idea basically behind socialism is that we as a society should collectively put our resources together so that everybody can really benefit. And so those ideas aren't necessarily bad. We ought to be concerned about one another. But the question is, where should that concern come from and who should legislate how to best help other people? So for me, I happen to come from a, a worldview that is informed by a loving and kind God. In fact, some people would say that if you love God, you ought to be a socialist because the earliest gathering of God's people, you find it if you're a student of the Bible in Acts chapter two, it says that those who believed held all things in common and shared with one another as anybody might have need. Now let's just talk about a few things here. First of all, that word in common would even chase you beyond socialism to maybe his father, communism. And it looks like the early commune or community that was together seemed before these ideas, but not so fast. First of all, what these people were doing is they were following the servant example of their leader. Here's the deal. All of us have decided that we're going to do better if we just make up what's good on our own. There's a little verse in that same Bible that informs much of my life that says this. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it's the way of death. So I want to stick this in here real quick. And that's that sometimes people say that capitalism is all about human greed and socialism is all about human need. And if those are our two options, you probably want to go more for human need than human greed. But I would say that's a false dichotomy. Even as I would say, people who say that scripturally you should be living in a commune or scripturally you should uh, make sure that if anybody has any needs, you always meet it, they haven't really looked at the big picture. In fact, what the scripture does also say is if any man won't work, neither let him eat. In other words, you don't want to, in your gracious provision for others, incentivize human laziness or irresponsibility. But there's no question when you're living in a community that is informed by following the sacrificial example of a, a loving leader like Jesus was, who though he was rich for their sake became poor, that through his poverty they might become rich. But Jesus did not incentivize godless or foolish or irresponsible behavior. What he was doing is he's saying, specifically in that verse that talks about Jesus and his riches becoming poor for your sake as he was identifying with your sin, but still called people to personal responsibility. The kind of folks who were selling whatever they had in order to help others that were in need were not people who were at all funding irresponsible living. What they were doing is saying, hey, listen, as we both do the best we can by being diligent in our work and using all of our gifts and human ingenuity to create benefits for others, if some of us aren't able to do that, and I'm able to do that really well, and you're working as hard as I can, I would love to come alongside of you. But it was never somebody telling them what to do. It was somebody out of a heart that was a cheerful giver choosing to do that, not a ruling elite that was imposing that idea on other people. So we don't want to encourage greed, and we don't want to encourage irresponsible living, but we do want to encourage cheerful giving. We also have to understand that there are certain people because of disability or life circumstance aren't able to provide for themselves who would love to if they could, and certainly people who love others are going to do what they can to provide for them. One of the reasons that we have governments that need to step up and care for other people is because so many of the people that can are choosing not to. And what you're seeing is a little bit of a striking out against not just human greed, but human insensitivity. But the way to compel people to care for one another 
is not forced. It's to do it by being a loving example. It's one of the reasons that our founders, in fact, decided not to tax churches. The reason we have government is to punish evildoers and praise those who do right. And people who love God and do and live as God would have them do are going to do right, which means they're going to have a pure and undefiled religion. They're going to care for widows and orphans in their distress. When you have a group of people who choose not to generously care for other people, eventually what you do is create a group of people who are saying, we're going to try and force folks to do that. That force doesn't work. And also sometimes even does encourage other people to say, I'm not going to work because you should work for me if you were really loving. And again, there's nothing in the Bible that ever would support that or in any sustainable society that could have us go down that particular road. Socialism, the idea that we should take from some and give to others by force based on the rulings and opinions of a governing elite is a system that ultimately breaks down. Let me come back to an idea that I started earlier. A lot of people are saying today that Jesus supported socialism. Well, no, he didn't. Jesus supported responsible living, community, and care for one another. He didn't support government mandating that people do anything, but he also did support man thinking there was nobody that should govern their hearts. The truth is, when we do what seems right to us, it always leads to destruction and death. And where there is no vision for a good way, it always leads to people perishing. When some people want other folks to work for them and say, you gotta give me some years to make mine the way I want, that's not a society that is seeking the welfare and the benefit of others. The earliest community that was together were a group of people that understood because they were, if you will, sons of Adam and daughters of Eve, and each of them had gone their own way, that they were not living in a community and an ethic that was going to lead to human flourishing. And so they had come to their senses, and they saw that God provided for them a better way. And so they devoted themselves to the scriptures and to teaching and to prayer, and there was a sense of awe in the way they loved one another and began to order their lives. And in the midst of that diligent, ordered living, they cared for one another's needs. One of the problems that we see often is individuals who aren't living disciplined, ordered lives are expecting that somebody else should care for them. And it's never loving to enable irresponsible living. There's nothing in the Bible that does that. Instead, it says, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, and help the weak. A loving society always does that. There are certain aspects, certainly, about a good society that always cares for those that are in need. As a Christian, we should do that. Not because our government tells us to do that, but because our God does. A government that can provide for you can also take from you everything. And so limited government that punishes evil and praises those who do right, encourages churches and doesn't pull from them when they're caring for other people is a wonderful thing. But a government that starts to tell you how much you can have and what you can have is not the kind of government that you're going to enjoy for very long. If we don't want government telling us to be cheerful givers, how can we respond? Well, the first thing I would say is share your faith, share your hope, explain why you do want to care for other people, disciple them and help them participate with you, give them means to join you in caring for other people, model them, live a righteous and good and holy life before other people. This is what the scripture says, learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, care for the orphan, love the widow. A free society that lives that way is a society that people are going to want to flock to. It's why so many people for so long have run to our land, not because there was handouts everywhere, not because we threw everything in one pot, but because we were committed as a people to live according to this Judeo-Christian ethic, which leads to human flourishing. Socialism takes away human dignity, 
in freedoms. God and his way will increase not just humans that are free to flourish themselves, but free to live in a way that gives them dignity and purpose in the way they can care, love, and provide for others. When we follow Christ's way, it's the best way. Perverted capitalism and greed, not God's way. Socialism and forced imposed giving, not God's way. Humility, seeking to do good, cultivating faithfulness in the land, that's what leads to a country that others want to flock to and everybody will prosper. share with you something one of our students in uh, Epic told me. He said uh, one of his professors, first day of class, uh, had everybody come in and he said to the class, <clears throat> I want you guys to make a decision. When you make it, we're going to stick to it. But what we're going to do is we're going to give you the choice. And everybody can do like a conventional class. You can have your own grades and do like we always done. Or we'll take grade as a class. Everybody can have the same grade and we'll take the grade of the class. Well, the, the class is awesome. Let's do that. Let's take the grade that everybody gets. Well, the first time they took a test, they came in. There were your, you know, your some of your people that had the high 90s. You know, they aced it or whatever. And then you had people down at the bottom who didn't do anything that had 60s. Whatever. The grade came in like a C plus was the average. So they said, okay, everybody gets a C plus. Well, all the people who didn't do anything were like, yeah, I'll take that. All the people that studied their tails off were like, are you kidding me? And so they were all upset. And they're like, this is not fair. He said, I did this on purpose because I wanted you to understand what socialism is all about. It's shared misery. I thought, man, that's a great... And you know, he said, we're going to start over. We're going to start over. I want to do that because I wanted you to see. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It pulls everybody down. It doesn't raise everybody up. <clears throat> so I thought that was a pretty good experiment <clears throat> for that teacher to do at a secular college. I mean, how many times do you hear that happen? <laughs> so, where do we run into problems and disagreement, even among Christians? Here's this thing, this definition of the words need and the definition of the word help. Boy, how many times in that, uh, in that video did you hear phrases like responsible living? Over and over, we heard that. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Right? I mean, it's taught throughout the Scripture. You go through Proverbs, and we see the wisdom that's said, and the, and the foolish uh, young man. We see the contrast all the way through Proverbs. It talks about observing the ant. I mean, there are places all throughout the Scripture that says we are to work. And some people even think, you know, before sin there wasn't work. That's not true. Even Adam, before sin, was, said, was told to tend to the garden, to take care of it. And I don't know about you guys, and, I, and when I get done with a really good day's work, I can lay my head down on my pillow and know I put forth a good effort today. I gave my boss and whoever's over me a good hard day's work, and there's some satisfaction in that. To see something accomplished, I don't know about the men, other men or ladies that are in here, when I do something, you know, in the ministry, it may take years to see the results of something. But when I can sit down and make something, or clean something. <clears throat> I worked at Sears. We, I was in the automotive department. We had a nasty floor out in the shop. Well, I would volunteer. I'd say, can I stay late to help do the floors? 
People would be like, are you crazy? I'm like, man, I love doing that because we would have a floor be a greasy mess. We'd get out there with our buffers, with this, you know, the stripper and the, all the cleaners. And by the time we got the sealer back on there and it was done, you could have eaten off the floor. <coughs> I mean, the guys would come back in and say, man, this looks awesome. And it was a lot of hard work, but you know, there was satisfaction in knowing that it was changed from something nasty to something totally clean. There's satisfaction. I think God has put some of that in us to be that kind of person and to have that satisfaction of doing a hard day's work. And when we don't do that, that's what the result is. He who is unwilling to work shall not eat. You know, when we see homeless people, we immediately assume they have not lived responsibly. That's our thought. And most of the time, that's probably true. But there, and I, I saw this in New York City, we've been up to work with the relief bus several times to go up there. And it's amazing to me because of the cost of living in New York, we have people coming by the bus to get free soup who are dressed in a business suit. You think, why is that guy coming by? To... But you get talking to them. They say, you know what? I either have to pay rent or I buy food. I mean, when you look at the efficiency apartments up there, you're paying $3,000 a month to live in a little cracker, by, uh, cracker box. So some people may say, you know what? I have a health issue and buy my medication and be able to find a place to live in, and that takes all my money. So I don't have any more. I'm, I'm here to, to have some of the food that's free. And so it's not always irresponsible living. Sometimes a, health, a serious health issue can cause some of this. Sometimes a person loses their job unexpectedly. We need to consider the children whose parents have made bad choices. Those kids haven't made those bad choices, but they're getting drug along in it. I mean, we got Dave sitting up here, our police department. He probably sees this almost on a daily basis, going around and seeing where people live and, and what they're dealing with. And so it's, it's tough. It's hard to see that. So what happens when we're made aware of this as a church? Let's talk about several different scenarios. Because I want to tell you what we do as a church body. Because I want you to know. And I want you to be able to be a part of it. First of all, a non-member. Here's a scenario. A non-member comes to the church uh, to the church office looking for financial assistance. We don't know them. They just see our church. They see the office sign. They stop in to see if they can get financial assistance. We, first of all, never, ever give cash. That is policy number one. That's always been that way since I've been here, uh, since I started. And I think before, even before that, we don't give cash. Why is that? Once I give that cash, it walks out the door. I have no way to monitor what that person's going to buy. They, in fact, could buy something that we would totally disagree with as a church. That's not biblical. So to give them cash could actually be irresponsible to allow them to live behavior that we would never agree with or agree to, to buy them. We would never go down and buy alcohol for somebody that's coming to our, to our church. Well, they might take that cash and do this. We don't give, we don't give cash. Or even something worse they may go buy. We have, we have no idea. Uh, I'll give you an example. I remember one time when I stopped to fill up a tire that had a slow leak. I pulled around the gas station, went over to the pump, and you guys know kind of maybe you have this situation too, but around the bush, it's kind of startled me, came this homeless guy. And he came out of nowhere. I was like, whoa. He's like, I said, hey, how you doing? He said, hey, I'm, I'm kind of down on my luck. He said, I, I'm really hungry. I said, oh, well, right over there is a Burger King. I'm, I'm going to fill up my tire, and I'm going to run over there with a Whopper Value meal be good, Coke? Would that be? Oh, you don't have to do that. I said, I don't mind at all. I got time. 
I'll run over there and get it. You hang out right here. I'll go grab it right through the drive-thru. Be right back over here. You, no, you, I'll do it. You don't have to. No, I, I said, no, I insist. I'll do it. And he, this went back and forth a few more times. And all of a sudden, he looked at me and said, just keep your money. That, and he, I think he used an expletive. And he walked off. I said, man, that guy wasn't hungry. He was thirsty. <laughs> I mean, that's what you, I mean, if he's really hungry, guess what? He just said, please. Yeah, go get, has there been other times when people have said to me, I'm hungry, I'm here at Chick-fil-A. I'm like, number one Chick-fil-A combo sweet tea? They're like, yes. And I go get it, and I bring it back to them. We can do that. If we got time, do that for somebody that's hungry. Feed them. Another suggestion, and I've seen some of our folks do this, put a pack or a box of crackers. Like when you go to the store, pick you up an extra box of crackers and put it in your car. And when you pull up to one of those stops at Walmart and there's somebody standing out at the corner, you got that thing right there in your car console. Reach in there, open the window, hand out there to them and say, man, I hope, hope you're blessed today. You know, give, give them something to eat if they're hungry. We need to help them with that. Be a person who loves them that way. But you got to know, do they really have a need? Are they really hungry? So, uh, what if a person is really hungry? Again, give them something to eat. Keep a box of cereal bars, crackers. In the past, we would have people fill out a form with all their information up at the office. We'd call their references and we'd possibly help with a bill, uh, pay an electric bill or try to help them with a certain bill. Uh, we had certain parameters that we could go by. Uh, but we began having more and more questionable situations coming in the office uh, and recently just made a change. The ladies that were up there saying, Kevin, we're, we're really feeling unsafe. I mean, people coming to the door, we don't know if somebody's hyped up, up on meth or some other drug. They're gonna, we're not feeling safe. I said, this is not good. So we went to the deacons and we asked them, can we, instead of taking care of local benevolence for non-church members, can we refer them to Cooperative Christian Ministries instead? In fact, we'll take money out of the benevolence fund this year and send them what we would normally send if they were in our budget. Because here's what we would do. On that reference sheet, one of the questions was, have you contacted Cooperative Christian Ministries? We would give them the other ministries in the area. And a lot of times they would say, oh yeah, we've already contacted them, but we can only go once a year or they limit, whatever. That kind of cued you in that there are probably professionals coming around to every church and seeing what they could get for free. I mean, it's sad to think that way, but we saw it over and over. I'll give you another example. I had a lady come in and say, I'm, my mom has cancer. I'm going to Virginia with some state up north. I don't have any gas. Well, who in their right mind at a church is going to say, sorry, get out of here. You're going, I'm like, okay, so I'll meet you up at the gas station. You go pump the gas. I'm going to go in and you fill up your tank and I'll pay for it inside. So we get there. I go inside. She pulls up the pump. And all of a sudden, the lady at the cast said, she's already done? She said, yes, yeah, $1.22, whatever it was. Some ridiculous amount. I'm like, $1.22? I paid it. I walked out there, and I said, I thought you said your gas tank was empty. She said, well, can I, can I get some food? I said, no, I think we're good with the gas. I mean, somebody would make up a story about their mother having cancer to get money out of church. What is wrong? I heard another story. Uh, um, what's the guy's name at Mount Vernon up in... Uh, Alan Bloom, he was the pastor up at Mount Vernon, uh, up in, up in uh, Boone, North Carolina. He said a guy came in one time, he would do this regularly. I remember him sharing this with us. He would do this when he would go fill up gas for somebody. He'd go down to the store or go down to the gas station with him. They'd be standing there while they're pumping the gas. You know, you got 10 minutes or so standing there. He'd say, I'll tell you what, while I pump the gas, I want you to pray with me. 
And I'm like, oh, okay. And I want you to repeat after me. And I'm not saying exactly, but something like this. He said, uh, God, I want to thank uh, you for all those, good, those church members who sacrificially gave of, out of their uh, abundance to take care of this, this need. And he'd have them repeat it. And then he'd say some other things. And he, he said this. He said, and God, if I use the money that I would have paid for to put this gas in my tank for anything that displeases you, and he had him get up that point. He said, I pray that you'd strike me dead. <laughs> I don't know that I'd go that far. But, I mean, that's, I mean, you got to think, that money that we're giving out for benevolence comes from your tithe. And, and I'm sorry, but I kind of take that personal. I have to give an account, right, as one of the pastors of the church, as to how we spend those funds to make sure they're being used in the right way and not being taken advantage of. And here's the thing. Can you imagine taking some of God's money? I had a young person come in my office, had a stack of money from, we're getting ready to go on a trip, so I was counting it all out, had it right there to turn in to the secretary. He came in and saw that money, he walked over, took the money, stuck in his pocket. I just kind of kept on going like I didn't even you know, notice. And I said, that's God's money. If you want to answer to him for it, and you can't. He took it out of his pocket real quick, stuck it back on the desk. I mean, that's kind of the way we've got to look at it. It is the way we need to look at it. That's God's money. It's not mine. It's not these people. People have given it, but it's God's, right? We need to be very careful. So, uh, a person that's, that's hungry again, and they come in for assistance, we refer them, non-members, to the Cooperative Christian Ministry. They do a great job for assistance. They keep great records and references. Uh, and so they are, actually, we, we pay uh, what we would normally pay out of the budget this year out of benevolence. Next year, which when you see the budget come out, we want to add them to our budget next year, which you'll get to vote on very soon. What about a member? Kevin, is, yes. that, is that a local organization? It is. Uh, do you know where the sports center is behind the old mall? <coughs> it's right across the street from that. That's, that's their main headquarters. They've got another office. It's an old historic home next to a ladies' funeral home. If you're standing out in front of a ladies' funeral home on 29 in Kannapolis, it's off to the right. But we've been working with them. Epic goes and does um, like service projects for them in between some of our Bible study stuff, but just a great organization. Kelly Holloman that's in our church actually works for them. Uh, she's a full-time employee with them, so we even have folks from our church that work there. What about a member that is truly in need? Uh, and these situations come up uh, from time to time. We have a designated fund uh, called Benevolence Offerings that provides funds for these type situations. Uh, someone unexpectedly loses a job, or there's a serious illness that affects them financially, or just extenuating circumstances that get them in a bind, and they need a help uh, to get over a hump to help them. We have that, those funds set aside in designated funds to help them with those situations. Now, how is it funded? Let me tell you that. Every time we have the Lord's Supper, you'll notice at the end, Scott says that the ushers will be standing at the door for a free will offering. If you feel led to give to that offering, those funds will go into our benevolence funds to help people locally and our church with issues if they have those that come up. And so we replenish that every time we have the Lord's Supper, and that's what that offering is in the back of the, of the, uh, of the room. So when you're giving to that, you're helping people directly in our church mainly with situations that may come up. Now, uh, how, do, how, does a church how does a church member receive help from this account? This is where our Deacon Family Ministry kicks in. If we find out a person is in need, the staff, we actually look up and find out who their deacon is, and we call that deacon. We say, would you please call so-and-so? 
and first of all, find out it's a need. Here's the thing we gotta be very careful of. Sometimes we find out in the grapevine that somebody has a need and it's not a need at all. In fact, they don't want help. And for us to go and like force help on them, it offends them. That's happened before. So we go, oh, hold on, let's verify the need. So we go to the deacons and we say, would you please contact them? They call the person and say, they say, we're understanding that maybe there's an issue. Can we help you as a church? And it stays confidential. We're not going to tell the church or bring it up in front of the church. It's going to be a confidential issue from the deacons to know this. So that deacon clarifies, and then we turn it over to the deacon benevolence committee, which is made up of three deacons within the deacon board. So there are three deacons that have all the, all the rules and qualifications that we've set up, and they go by those guidelines and make recommendations to the staff, and then the, the, the office staff takes it from there and gets the bill, you know, contacts the, the, the company where they owe money or whatever, and we directly pay that bill to that finance company or the electric company or whatever. We take care of that. So that's part of the benevolence committee through our deacons. Uh, if they come back and they find out that the need for a member is greater than what the rules have said, if they come back and say, well, you know, we, we've set parameters, we can't go past this, but they need X amount, they've got to bring that back to the deacons, which again should stay in confidence, but the deacons discuss that in the meeting and either approve it or come up with some other plan to make sure that situation is taken care of. So it comes back, there's, there's all these things put in place uh, as protection to make sure that we're, we're helping, being responsible, and taking care of true need. That all happens. Um, what if there's a member that continually comes back for financial help, and there seems to be a pattern or something wrong in their budget, like that need is, is an ongoing need, because we're not set up in benevolence to, to carry an ongoing issue or someone who's being irresponsible. So what happens there? We have people in our church, and we have, we've had to do this, that we ask them to go and help them do some financial training. You may have somebody that's never been taught how to set up a budget or what, what that looks like or how to do that. And you think, well, I've been doing that since I was 18. Well, some people don't know. And so we have people who will sit down with them and, and confidentially go through their records and say, you've got this amount of money, here's how we're gonna set up a budget. You gotta stay in the budget. And they go back to them and and have accountability. But before we give any more funds to that person and help them again, we try to set up a situation where they understand budgeting. It's kind of, instead of handing a fish, you give them a fishing pole and teach them how to fish, right? Fix a problem and figure it out. So we try to do that, and we've had to do that, and we have people in our church that are willing to say, hey, we'll be a part of that, and we'll sit down, we wanna do that, we wanna help people. That's our gift, that's what we do for a living. And so it's important. Of course, again, all this is done in confidence with the motive of loving this person and getting them through a tough time and helping them, loving them. Folks, I want to commend Pitts Baptist on what you as a church gives to help those locally and around the world in sharing the gospel. Is that being the motivation to, or the final goal, is to being, being able to share the gospel. Uh, I get to see the overall picture of how this happens and tonight, I want to share some of that with you guys. Um, I just sat down and put together the budget. I've passed that on to our finance committee chair. He's going through it. Uh, we have to collect all the things from different ministry leaders, put that together, uh, hand that over to them. Personnel committee puts that. I mean, there's all kinds of different moving parts, and they put that together at the next deacons meeting, November 5th. The chairman of the finance committee is going to come in and present that to our deacons. 
Um, they'll see it. After that, it'll come to the church for discussion toward the end of November, and then we vote on that 1st of December. And so what I, one of the things I love about Pitts Baptist, and I've been in churches that have not done this growing up, is that every month our financial statement is available for you to see. I like that. Because what does that do? It builds an accountability to know where every dollar is spent so that you know there's accountability in what we're doing. And so tonight, I want to do that. Um, I'm including uh, the budget from 2019 tonight because obviously we haven't even got the 2020 approved yet. I don't want to talk about stuff in that until it comes out. We will at the discussion meeting. But when we look at 2019 numbers and just show you one section, our world missions budget area. This is one section of our budget. And there's probably going to be places in here of, of organizations you had no idea that your, your tithe dollars uh, go to this. But if you look at the bottom line, just in this section alone is almost $200,000 that we give back. That's like 11.2%. In essence, a reverse tithe of the church taking its budget and right off the top, 11.2% goes back into these world missions organizations to pay that back to the Lord and goes out away from our church to do ministry all over the world. That's exciting to me. I think that's one reasons one of the reasons why God continues to bless Pitts Baptist Church because we give it out to missions. And this budget you're going to see doesn't even include what we do with Epic or what the senior adults do to collect money to help people or our youth collecting money to go to Malawi or our children's ministry making treat bags for light the night. I mean, there's all this stuff going on even this week that's going on outside of what I'm going to talk to you about tonight. So that 200000 is just the, the bottom line. We're adding on top of that every time we do something in ministry to do mission work. So let's go through this really quick. If you want to look on the back page, the cooperative program. I would encourage you, if you're, especially if you're new to the Southern Baptist uh, Convention, new to a Southern Baptist church, is I would encourage you to go online and just Google cooperative program Southern Baptist Convention and look at all of the myriad of things that happen with the funds that go toward our Southern Baptist Convention. It's unbelievable. The stuff that happens with that. Um, 98,140, which is I think 5.3% of our budget, 5.6% uh, of our budget. So 5.6 cents of every dollar that you put in the offering plate goes back to the cooperative program to help those worldwide needs through the Southern Baptist Convention. That's pretty amazing. Uh, this is called the financial fuel for reaching every person for Jesus Christ in every town, every city, every state and every nation. That's kind of the, the catchphrase underneath the cooperative program. So you're going to see things like our international missions, administrative costs, and our schools and seminaries. That's just a, I mean, barely scratching the surface. So I would encourage you to go look and see what that money goes toward because that's coming out of every dollar, 5.6 cents. Associational missions. Every year we pay $18,050. That's 1.03% of every dollar that you give. Our Cabarrus Baptist Association is located on Leanne Drive. It's downtown off Branch View. Uh, down there, it's a, a really nice building. Actually, Dr. Willis, when he was our director of missions here in Cabarrus County, was one of the ones who helped get that building built. And so I didn't know if you knew that. Dr. Willis used to be our associational missionary. Um, and, and we miss him. I, I was talking to Doc today, and they're doing, doing well. He seems to be feeling good, so hopefully, We'll see them back around here soon. 
But our, our association, what do they do? They help, our Cabarrus Baptist Association helps uh, in Cabarrus County, obviously with smaller churches a lot of times doing training. Uh, they have a counseling center there. Uh, but they do a lot to help with the smaller churches in planting. And so there's a lot of resources for those churches to come and get that. A lot of times when i found the larger churches, mainly what we do is help facilitate some of their training. Uh, in years past, we've done vacation Bible school training for them as an associational event here at Pitts. And so we do some of that training. Jim? Just a personal note, uh, when you mentioned counseling, uh, you know, a good shrink costs about 200 bucks an hour in the Charlotte area. But I went through counseling with a very qualified counselor. They were starting last fall, finished up this July, and the going rate is 80 bucks an hour, and they will work with you on that. Right. So it removes a lot of excuse about the high cost of it. Yeah. And uh, it's open to any member of any church in the association for that yeah. matter of fact. That's just one little thing, you know, that just touches, you know. So there's those resources. Board. There's those resources yes. sometimes we don't know about. Absolutely. Yes. And then the Baptist Children's Homes of North Carolina, uh, there are 21 of those across the state and one in Guatemala. Uh, they started an international home. And so we are actually taking a team to one of those, the Kennedy home this weekend. Uh, you help provide food for them during our roundup, our food roundup. We just did that like last month. I think the month of September is dedicated to collecting food. All of that food goes to the main headquarters and they disperse that to those 21 locations. Well, that food that's being dispersed and paper products and all that, we're getting ready to organize all that so that the cottages and the kids can use it and get it out of basically their little grocery store they have on campus. They call it food locker, but it's basically like a little grocery store. And those of you that haven't been, you'll see that. Uh, the Gideons, uh, their main purpose written there is to distribute God's word. And in the past, we've had Gideons who have been members of our church, who have been a part of that. And most of you have probably seen in the hotel a Gideon Bible. It's got that little symbol on it, and you've seen those. And that goes to help that, uh, getting God's word out uh, in those places. Crisis Pregnancy Center, we have two of those in our area. There's Gate and then the Greater Cabarrus. Uh, my mom at one point helped start one of those. Uh, she was the director, uh, I don't know, probably 20 years ago, well, maybe even 30, 30 years ago, started one of those, it's a long time ago. Um, but since then, retired as the coordinator there and now it's a, a paid position. She did it as a volunteer for I don't know how many years. Um, but anyway, they help ladies. I remember mom bringing ladies home to stay at our house. They were kicked out of their house because their parents disapproved of them keeping their baby. They wanted them to have an abortion. Mom, would, we had one lady stay at our house for several months. Um, came home from school and she was in labor. <laughs> I'm a 10th grader and I'm like, whoa! Like, I looked at mom like, what's going on? And she's like, yeah, she's having a baby. I said, oh, I'm going upstairs. <laughs> um, anyway, kind of sticks in my mind. It's pretty vivid. But anyway. Yeah, um, mom's always done that kind of stuff, though. But, um, anyway, crisis pregnancy centers, that's uh, in our budget. Mission Dignity, that's a state program through our Baptist State Convention that helps retired pastors and pastors' widows. Uh, if you uh, know anything about Baptist life, and we have one up on my street, up on Plantation, Pitts Baptist actually used to have a parsonage. It's up on, it's two doors down from my house, up on uh, Plantation Road. And churches thought that was a great idea. They would take pastors and basically give them a house to live in. 
and not have to pay them as much in salary because they had a place to live. Well, what that did to pastors was not allow them to build any equity. So that when that pastor retired from that church, guess what? They had no equity, no house, nowhere to go. And basically lived in poverty. And a lot of these funds in Mission Dignity is to help these pastors and widows of these pastors who basically have nothing now. And uh, saw the detriment of what uh, a parsonage would do to a pastor. So thank you for not doing that for us. We'll take a housing allowance or a parsonage any day. It helps us big time. Uh, our Awana missionary. This currently is David Roach. He goes into churches to train and to start new Awana clubs across our state and our region. And so we're, he goes in and does that. And guys, the Awana program, I mean, as far as gospel-oriented, learning scripture, I mean, you're supporting that with our missions funds. Uh, the Flogey a missionary support, David and Inger Flogey are the daughter and son-in-law of Cal and Ruth Randall. They assist missionaries with counseling and training. And so we have them. Uh, North Carolina Missions Offering. Uh, this is a, basically in lieu of us taking an offering, we send this money, it's $5,000, that goes directly to the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina that has all kinds of mission opportunities across the state and supports all different entities. One of those is our Baptist men, North Carolina, Baptist men of North Carolina. Um, and so you could go actually to North Carolina Mission <coughs> Offering and see how that's divided up. It's sort of a microcosm of the Southern Baptist Convention within our state. And there's all kinds of things happening uh, in the state as far as missions. There's Mark Logan Missions. Mark is a missionary trainer that goes into several areas that are hostile to the gospel. Uh, if he's here, sometimes he comes by to our church, ask him to tell you a story. He's got all kinds of stuff. I mean, he told me one that would make your hair curl. Uh, he was at a place teaching the week after that place was bombed by Muslim terrorists. I mean, stuff like that all the time happening. Um, but he's in those areas. Uh, he is also one that helps support the Good Samaritan Orphanage in Malawi and to start a Bible school and seminary on the orphanage property. They're actually outgrowing that Bible college and seminary and have had to move it to another location. So they can continue to grow, but they're taking nationals and training them in uh, college and seminary level to then send them out and be pastors. You guys are in support of that when you support Mark Logan. I'm a little biased on this one. Uh, he was my youth pastor growing up uh, at Northside. So being under him and influenced by him was a lot of the reason why I looked into going into full-time service. So I mean, seeing him on there, every time I see him, I pray for him, and it's a blessing to know what he's doing. He gets off the airplane, gets in a car, and two guys sit next to him with AK-47s. I mean, that's kind of the situation where he's going in. Um, so uh, pray for him. Pitts North American Missions. This is to support projects that are done stateside in North America for Pitts. We recently sent a four-man team. Hopefully you saw some of the pictures Sunday. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, four of our men went up to New York City to help Logan Dagley uh, with their with their facility. They have a uh, husband and wife that are coming on staff there to do youth. The husband's doing the youth. The wife's going to do children's ministry. And they're coming basically f for the cost of where they get to live. And so that bathroom needed to be gutted and redone. So Robbie Jones and Scotty Johnson and Nob Zalme and uh, James Jordan drove up there and gutted that bathroom and redid it and drove back. And so those funds that are in that account 
uh, paid for a lot of their travel and being able to go up there and do that. So that's one thing that just happened two weeks ago out of that account. Pitt's Hispanic Mission, they're in transition right now, but have a new volunteer leader named Luis, and they meet here on Sunday in their own community group and then meet with us in worship. So that's kind of where they are right now. Um, but they have a separate budget also, but our church does help support them through our missions budget. Is this the same one that uh, I guess we helped support for like two years and it's supposed to start their home or something like yep, that? Yep, it's the same one. Yep. Okay. And they used to meet in this room, but it's, again, they're going through some transition right now. J-Life International is an organization founded by John Abramsa of South Africa. He's been here several times to speak. Speaks with a South African accent. Um, kind of looks like Where's Waldo, if you know, where the, you know that game. But anyway, uh, these funds go to support a national pastor, one of his representatives in Cameroon, Africa, named Leo. And probably three years ago, Pastor Scott went over there to preach with Ivadi and Robbie Jones. Those three went over there. And it's a little bit more of a Muslim nation, so to take young people over there would not be a good idea. Even taking a larger adult team probably would not be a good idea. So we sent Robbie and Ivadi and Scott to go those three. Um, and that was a good team. They, they had a great time. But anyway, that, that's what that line item does. Good Samaritan Orphanage, our youth have partnered with them. This is one we were talking about earlier with Mark Logan Missions too. Um, they've partnered with them and hope to go there again on the next spring break. This golf tournament we just had was money that was... The, uh, used to help support that trip. Go Lift Air is also another organization doing youth evangelism in South Africa, founded by Donovan Olding. And he was also at one time with J-Life, but is on his own now, and comes over here to speak, so, uh, has done that several times. Reach Global, uh, Mark and Katie Manning. Katie Manning used to be Katie Hooks, who came through our youth group um, I was there when I was the youth pastor, is now working in the Houston, Texas area with this missions organization. So again, another one who came through our youth group that we support uh, through our budget. Present Age Ministries, this is a ministry started by a former member, Hannah Arrowood, and this organization is battling the sex trafficking issue that is huge in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, I don't know if you knew that, but this is one of the I mean, we're 85 and 77 come together. That's one of the reasons. And 485, uh, it's easy access and escape for those people to do those things. And guys, there's, I don't want to share which one it is, but there's a neighborhood within a couple miles of here um, that is having that issue right now and is being investigated. So you think, well, that wouldn't affect Pitts Baptist Church. It does. It does. And, and David could stand up and tell you probably a lot of details that you wouldn't even want to hear, which you can't do that, but um, it's, it's in our neighborhoods. And to think, you know, when I was a kid, mom would say, get up, get out of bed, pack your lunch, I don't want to see you till dinner. <laughs> Go on. And we'd play in the creek, we'd be in the road, in the woods, build forts, whatever. You wouldn't even think about that now. You've got to keep one eye on those kids all the time, right? Because you don't, you don't know but here's an organization that we're helping. In fact, in the last two months, have had direct help with our church, uh, with some of our young people uh, dealing with the situation. And so here's Present Age Ministries in our budget that's helping deal with that. Campus Outreach, Tenant Brastow is the leader of this organization, trying to reach our students at UNCC. <coughs> he does work a lot with the Greek community there. 
I don't know how effective that is right now with COVID and them doing everything virtual, uh, but uh, we do have a presence there on UNC's, camp, UNCC's campus. CEF Good News Club, Gene and Jerry Sullivan, and many of you. In fact, how many of you have helped with that? Can we see some hands? Yeah, several of you here. So you know more about it than I do. Uh, work with the elementary schools, Fur Elementary and Pitt School Road Elementary uh, to get into the schools and teach a weekly Bible club and share the gospel. Uh, the Mertz family, Trudy worked over at Fur. She's now on staff here. But that's one of the reasons they found out, found out about Pitts Baptist, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. of seeing our folks go over there and say, who is Pitts Baptist Church? Why are they working in our school? Why are they coming here? Why are they sharing the gospel? I'm going to check this church out. They started coming to church. Now they're here. Now he's a deacon. I mean, you're like, what? She's on staff. You know I mean? You're, you, it's kind of crazy how God works, right? It's through a lot of times the missions things that we're doing in our community. Uh, Send International. This goes to the daughter of Jerry and Jean Sullivan, Jeanette Sullivan, who is a missionary in Ulan-Ude, Russia. I would challenge you to look that up. Ulan-Ude. It is cold there. I've never been there, but it is cold, they tell me. Uh, like sub-zero, negative, Alaska kind of temperatures. Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh, this support goes to Lori Pluck, who works with area high schools in sharing the gospel with FCA groups in high schools. So there's that one. Park Slope, Brooklyn, uh, Logan Dagley. Again, this is where our men just went. Logan Dagley... When I, this, when this was our sanctuary, this used to be our sanctuary, there used to be a stage right there. I'd stand on the stage leading music, and there used to be a balcony where those rooms are. There, there were pews that went to those center doors, and up in the balcony were pews, and Logan sat right up about there in third and fourth grade. A little guy about this big, quiet as a mouse, shy. His, his sister was in middle school, started here, um, Megan. And so I'd see Logan, I'm like, I got you in two years. And he kind of like, you know, child. Now he's got his doctorate. He was a he was a uh, staff pastor for Summit in Raleigh, and now he's doing a church replant up in New York City in Brooklyn. I mean, where does the time go? Uh, but you see those things, and these people come through our church, and God is using them all over the place. <clears throat> uh, Inner Varsity, Brent Campbell is the leader of this organization trying to reach the lost at UNCC. And I was telling Rick earlier, the group and clientele he works with, we would, they would never even talk to me. Um, it's a rough bunch, but he has had an impact. He could tell you stories of people who were in the process of committing suicide, and he would call them. And they'd pick up the phone, and he, they would share later. You realize when you called me, I was about to kill myself. I mean, things like that, he could tell you. It's like, what? But he's working with these students and having a great impact. Um, man, you're talking about a high-energy guy. You get to meet him, some of our mission fairs that we do. I'd encourage you to talk to Brent. He's, he's ball of energy. Our community table. Many of you have been working with that. I'm sad that we cannot do that right now with COVID. We are doing a little bit of a hybrid with that, with taking meals to shut-ins. And hopefully we're going to be talking through some of that to, to retool some of that for next year. But this is reaching out to those in need in the greater Cabarrus County area. And that's local missions that our church is directly involved in. And then Youth Commission International, YCI. Some of our teachers lead these groups. Deanna Jones is at Mount Pleasant High School. Allison Walker is at C.C. Griffin Middle. Andy Adcox is at J.N. Freeze Middle School. Uh, and Kevin Knight speaks at some of these on a regular basis when they have it. 
Um, let me tell you about these clubs. They started a long time ago. I think they started out as first priority. Uh, they changed names a couple of times. But what a great organization. A teacher can say, I would like to have a club in my room. I'm going to be the teacher liaison, which we just mentioned those people are. They can then invite area youth pastors to come in, um, to have music come in, to have people bring food. The kids come in droves. And, and they come because their friends invite them. And they, it's not church, quote-unquote church, but they come to an atmosphere they're familiar with. And I used to be able to go and teach at the, or I was the campus pastor for Robinson when I was the youth pastor here. And we could share the gospel. And I would do that every time I went in there. And so we have these clubs that are involved in our local schools. Uh, and if you have kids or grandkids in those schools, make sure they know uh, that they can be a part of those. There are a few new organizations being added for 2021. I would encourage you when the discussion happens on that, you'll hear about these again. There are some new ones that are going to be coming and being added. Um, who, who determines these? If you're part of the missions committee, and Charlie's on that, I'm trying to see if there's anybody else on the missions committee in here. There's probably seven of us, something like that, and it's all different age group, uh, age folks, and we go through these with a fine-tooth comb, the budget every year, uh, and talk about those and, and try to really take it serious that, that we take our mission dollars and they're used to further the gospel. If they're not doing that, then we don't need to be a part of those. Guys, there are some great causes. We have people come up and say, hey, what about doing an advertisement for diabetes? You know, March for Diabetes. Guys, I'd be one of the first ones to jump on that. My son has type 1 diabetes. So I'd be you know, one of the first ones to say, yeah, let's do that. But does that, is that propagating the gospel? Breast cancer awareness. Great organization. My mom had cancer. There's some of you in here who dealt with that. Great organization. But is that sharing the gospel? we got to be careful, right? That what we do as a church, what we put funds in that you give to towards missions, propagates the gospel. And so please know that that committee is aware of that and that we are careful because every person you know, the five, six hundred people that come in their minds have a cause that they're passionate about. And we have to tell folks, I hear you, great organization, but we've got to be careful that it's about the gospel with church funds. Doesn't mean you can't do it. Go do it. Be a part of it. Um, so that's, if you get a no, that's why. We're not trying to be the minister of no. Sometimes I feel like I am. But we're trying to protect and be good stewards of God's missions dollars. So please know that uh, when we go through this. Uh, again, your church, uh, you as a church give almost 200000 11.2%, um, more, uh, more than the reverse tithe to these missions organizations that you are reaching people locally and globally. Uh, what's another, another reason is so that you can get involved. That's why I present this, so that you can get involved with one, one or more of these organizations. I am soon going to be asking our community groups. I haven't rolled it out yet, but you're getting a preview. I want to go to every community group and ask them to take our world's missions budget and adopt at least one of these groups. And what does that mean? That you find out all you can find out about that organization. Maybe you have a person from that organization come in and take the first 10 minutes of your class and tell you about it. Maybe you say, how can we pray for you? And in your prayer time with your community group, you begin praying for that organization. Here would be a great end goal, especially if it's a missionary like 
to Ulanu Day, and it's cold, to say, hey, Phillips, y'all are going to help Jeanette. Take some warm clothes. You're going to go. I mean, wouldn't it be great to send some people over to be an encouragement from our church, to be a part of that person's mission field, and bring a report back to the church saying, guys, you've been supporting these people for 10 years. We went over there. You're not going to believe what God's doing. Here's the crazy thing. As the associate pastor, I get to go to a lot of this stuff. And I am absolutely blown away. And I wish I could transfer it, like bottle it up and bring it home and open it and let it scatter to all y'all and your minds would go Because, I mean, it's mind-boggling to see it. So here's my encouragement. When you start hearing about that, your class, get together and say, we want to take Logan Dagley. And I'm just using an example. He's going to be the one that we want to support, we want to pray for, and you begin praying for them. Begin sending that person cards calling them and encouraging them. Send them a Zoom message or from the class. You know, you hold up a thing. Or, or you, maybe even there's a gift. Maybe there's a ministry. You ask them and say, hey, Christmas is coming around. Is there a ministry gift that would help you do ministry better? And maybe your class take up an offering and send that gift to them. Or you send them an Amazon card and pay for that gift. That's something that's easier. I mean, these are just ideas. And then to say, who wants to go? We're, we're slating this weekend or this week to go. Who's willing to go and be a part of that? So be watching for that because I'm going to be going around to, to some of the class officers and saying, here's all of our people. We want people to sign up for every one of them. And here's what we want to do in signing, what we want you to do in signing up for them. I'm excited about that. Why do I share all this? I want you to know that your church is practicing generosity, <clears throat> encouraging responsible living, and is caring for one another. I want to encourage you to also live that way. Are you a, gen a generous person to those that are in need? Not just with your money. What about with your time? With sitting down and listening to them? Guys, sometimes I get so caught up in my list. I'm a list person. When I sit down on Monday, I am writing out stuff I've got to get done this week. And buddy, don't get in the way of my list. But here's what I have found. God sends people that sometimes blow that list off my desk. And you know what I need to do? I need to put that list aside. And I need to say, you know what? This may be a God appointment right here. And I just need to take care of this issue. Did you add that to the list so you can cross it off? Yes, I do. <laughs> if I do something that's not on the list, I write it down and then cross it off. I get a lot of pleasure in that. Are you with me on that? <laughs> um, yeah. But guys, sometimes the best things we do are not on our list. So watch for them. Pray for them. That's kind of dangerous. But then do them when they come up, right? Because God will send them your way. If you ask for them, I gotta hurry, y'all. Uh, we hadn't prayed yet. Uh, don't enable irresponsible living, but do everything to help those who are trying to live responsibly. If you see somebody struggling and you know they're living right and trying to do right, man, jump in next to them, grab them by the arm, and help them on down. Help them out. And genuinely care for one another. Look back at the front page of that handout. I want you to read this with me, the Acts 2 passage. Just listen to this again. In, in, in a new light from what you heard tonight about what Pitts Baptist Church
church does, just in one area. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. A sense of awe came over everyone. And the apostles performed many wonders and signs. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They shared with anyone who was in need. With one accord, they continued to meet daily in the temple courts and to break bread from house to house, sharing their meals with gladness and sincerity of heart. How about you guys? But I want to be a part of something like that. And I can guarantee you there are people driving by this church every day. There are people sitting next to you in cubicles every day. There are neighbors going up and down your street every day who would love to be a part of something like that. Thank you for all you are as a body of believers. But let's not be satisfied with past successes. That's not the point of bringing up tonight. Let's always look to becoming more like Jesus And when the outside world sees and hears about Pitts Baptist, they will see a group of people that is distinctively and exceptionally different. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's go into our prayer time. If we could, uh, if you could take out out loud, if we could take some of these out loud, maybe take two or three and then the next person, you can see that go on. Uh, and then just we'll write down the list, and then I'll close up in prayer. But if some of you guys will help me out, it doesn't have to be a long prayer, but if you can help us, please, and then I'll close out. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you in Christ's name. We want to lift up this Kingston trip that's going to be taking place in the near future. Father, I would pray that you'd be with each and every individual who's going there, that you'd grant them traveling mercy safely to and from the destination. But more importantly, God, we just pray that you'd bless the work that's going to be taking place while they're there and that uh, all the work would have eternal value to it, Lord, and uh, just have an impact in years and years to come. Father, we want to pray for our pastor and Connie and uh, baby shepherd, Lord, uh, with uh, what all they're going through there. and. I uh, pray that uh, since they're on the way back, that you'd grant them two traveling mercies. And uh, God, we just uh, pray that you'd help them to get here safely and that, Father, uh, that you'd help them to uh, recover from all this travel and all this uh, ministry they've been part of while they've been there. And uh, Harvey Lowry, uh, his health, uh, and uh, Shirley, pray, Lord, uh, that you'd help them in that situation, Lord. God, you're the great physician, Lord. Uh, that you created these bodies, you know, everything that... Uh, how they function, uh, why they misfunction. It's its all uh, nothing new to you, Lord. And uh, as the great physician, divine healer, God, we pray that you put your healing hand upon them, Lord, if that's the uh, way you choose to do with this. If not, then God, we just pray that you'd be with any um, physicians or caretakers that might be involved in the care. And uh, we pray that uh, uh, you'd be with their hands, Lord, and uh, their minds, Lord, that they would be able to do and perform all they need to do uh, so that, uh, you know, whatever ailment there is, Lord, it will be addressed accordingly and be dealt with in such a way that they uh, bring honor and glory to your name ultimately. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Most graciously and heavenly Father, we come to you tonight, dear Lord. We thank you for, for Brother Kevin and the message he brought to us, dear God, and the sharing of generosity.
Dear God, first I want to lift up the unspokens, dear Father. We just, we come to you, we gather, dear Lord. You tell us that when there are two or more gathered, that you're present, dear God. There's many unspokens. As church members, dear Lord, as human beings, we go through hurt, we go through trouble, we go through strife, dear God. Young and old, it doesn't matter. It afflicts us all, dear God. I just pray for the many unspokens. I pray that they don't need to be spoken because you already know, dear Lord. You're the discerner of men's hearts. You know, you know what we're going through. Lord, I want to lift up Jackie Thomas, dealing with the pacemaking, dear Lord, that <clears throat> as a heart, dear Lord, you can you can be the ultimate physician, dear Lord, and take care of that. I also lift up uh, into Malden, dear Lord, dealing with infection. <clears throat> you know the body. You know that you can heal it, dear Lord, and just be with the doctors, be with the medical staff. Dear Lord, I also want to lift up Sherry Simpson, dear Lord, with cataract surgery of the eyes, dear Lord, and also dealing with the hurt knee, dear Father. That we trust in you, that we lift you up in all that we do, dear Lord, that we continue to leave here and that we are... We are carriers of that generous spirit, dear Lord, and we, we share the gospel, and we're there for one another, dear Lord, and we just carry your word out. These things we pray in your name. Amen. God, we thank you uh, for tonight. I thank you for these folks being here. God, I thank you for Pitts Baptist Church and what it means to me personally. God, all that you're doing all that you've done and God, all that you will do uh, through our church, God. Help us to continue to be a generous church, uh, to be a church that gives back, gives out to causes that are doing kingdom work. God, we don't even know uh, the impact of all that is going on just from the little bit that, that each one of us gives each week to be faithful and to see you work. Uh, we just thank you for allowing us to do that. God, we do pray for all those that are dealing with doctor's appointments. Be with Ronnie, God, as she goes, and be with the doctors to help her. Uh, be with Renaud Davis, who's dealing with the shingles. God, that could be miserable. We pray you just help them to be able to overcome that and get better. God, we pray for the storm that's on its way. For those that are even now in New Orleans that are dealing with that, God, just protect those who are in its way, and we pray you watch over them. God, for Parks Cranford's, <clears throat> great-granddaughter who's had this accident with a golf cart. God, we pray that she would be doing better and that she would be able to come home soon. <clears throat> also for Morgan Weatherby who has had this long um, healing process with the accident she had back in May. God, we pray that she would be able to come home soon and that she would be able to have full use of uh, her body and her mind. <clears throat> God, view that family in a special way for Rick, Mason, God, I pray you'd help him to find a place to live in the area that he'd be able to come back from Salisbury. God, just whatever he's dealing with in his life, God, that you'd be with him in a very special way, that you'd send the right people to encourage him, uh, and that he would uh, be able to be back at church real regular. We're glad to see him back. We missed him. And God, we praise you for Elaine Lee and just the exciting day that she has had uh, to become an official United States citizen. And God, we just pray you continue to use her. What a, what a heart for the gospel. Bringing her friends and anybody that will listen. Uh, and how she shares. Sometimes her English is not always great. But her passion and her heart to share the gospel is, is incredible. So thank you for using her and just be with her in a special way. And God, for Isaiah and Linda, another, uh, just another praise that you protected them in their accident, that no one was injured. And God, that everyone was thankful. Thank you for watching over them. I know uh, Jim is very thankful. I know the Keiths are probably very thankful right now, God, that you're watching over them. God, just uh, be with us tonight in a special way. Give us safety as we go home. 
Again, God, thank you for all you do for us and how you bless us. And we ask this in all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.